0: My guest today is Mary Cathy McDaniel. Join me as she takes us on an unparalleled voyage through the realms of darkness and light, recounting her harrowing near-death experience that transformed her life forever. Her book, Misfit in Hell to Heaven Expat, offers a glimpse into the beyond that will leave you questioning the very fabric of your existence. Next on the Executor Help podcast.
1: This is the Executor Help podcast. Learn how to settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, go to davideadie.com. Now here's your host, David Eadie.
0: Placed on a ventilator for lung failure in 1999, Mary Cathy McDaniel fought for her life in a drug-induced coma for three weeks. Her book, Misfit in Hell to Heaven, Expat, is based on a story of MK's experience before, during, and after a dark, near-death experience. Her family waited in prayer, totally unaware of the horrors M.K. was bravely facing and miserably enduring in a seemingly internal hell, culminating in her eventual glimpse of heaven and a chat with her deceased fiance, Kathy, thank you for taking the time to have this conversation. To say that you've been places is pretty much an understatement.
1: (laughs) Thanks, David, for having me on your program.
0: So let's start by... Maybe you could share a little bit with what led you to write Misfit in Hell to have an expat. What was the driving force behind sharing your deeply personal experience?
1: Uh, well, as you said in the intro, uh, in very, very, very late 1999, I'd been taking care of my best friend as he was going through a stem cell transplant in Seattle. And uh, what we thought was going to be just a two or three month gig turned out to be almost nine months of day and night caregiving. And so um, I had my uh, ARDS hit me, that's the acute respiratory distress syndrome, which is lung failure. And they threw me in the coma and told me I wouldn't remember a thing because they were going to give me an anesthetic that would uh, take my brain offline. And it didn't. So uh, I Woke up and uh, that was the beginning of a very wild ride when I got back in the hospital and my family was there and I was totally confused as to what had happened and they kept saying oh it was the drugs you'll forget about it it's like a dream it didn't go away. For 10 years I had nobody to tell this story to because nobody wanted to hear it. You know, who wants to hear about somebody's trip to hell? And my mother said, you know, what'd you do, Kathy, to deserve hell? And I was like, ah, I couldn't come up with a good answer. So anyway, um, I kept getting this prompting to just write it out. If I could just write out this what happened to me, maybe it would just disappear. I'd forget about it. Well, that didn't happen. And eventually um I was hit with a bunch of synchronicities that drove me up to Seattle. And that's where I did run into the IONS people. Right. And that's the International Association of Near-Death Studies. And all those people said, oh, you just had a near-death experience? How cool. And so that was the first time I felt like I belonged someplace, that somebody else knew about what I was going through. But none of them, uh, they every month somebody give their story, you know, and uh, they all talked about, seeing angels and, and, you know, wonderful heavenly things. And I thought, well, you know, I had a little bit at the end there in heaven, but uh, most of mine was pretty uh, horrible. So they explained to me that about, I don't know, four out of 10 people have some sort of distressing part of their NDEs, but they don't like to talk about it. And I understood that part. So over the years, I've, um, I uh, kind of read more books and met people that had the same thing. And eventually, um, I was pushed into writing the book because there's very few of them about it. And uh, then COVID hit. And I was stuck in my house for two years. And so I didn't have much to do. I had a typewriter, you know, my my little computer here. And I just uh slammed it out. I had somebody from the Ions group that said she was a publisher and just going out on her own. And she said, uh, you write it, I'll publish it. And she turned me on to a editor and you know, all these other things. And it just it just played out smoothly. And uh so yeah, I was.
0: Prompted. So here, it, it so here you are.
1: Here I am. I mean, this was what I was sent back to do. Uh, well, actually,
0: it's funny you you said that you during COVID, you know, two years you had, you know, what were you to do? That's how I ended up writing my book. You know, really yeah, clearly. So that you know, it's you. you what we, you have this story, this something you want to share, and it's probably been in the back of your mind the whole time and unexpectedly who would know that the whole world would shut down and you'd have all this <laughs> in your hands and look well, what we both did was ending up writing books now, yeah
1: great.
0: it's crazy now I know your journey took you through an incredibly vivid and intense near-death experience can you describe some of the emotions and sensations you felt during that time both in hell and in heaven
1: Well, David, I never thought I was dead. Um, Your soul is such that it's—that's who you are. This this body of ours is like a car. You know, our soul gets in this car and goes around Earth, and then when you're through with Earth, you get out of the car, and your personality, your soul, is still there. So I never knew until the very end that I was actually in hell. I just couldn't figure out what was going on, but it was scary. It was unpredictable. It was, um, I had to just keep moving because these scenes kept coming up. It was different segments. And I never had time to ponder. Uh, I was just trying to run for my life and find a way out of this place. So it was, um, I don't recommend it.
0: Did When you say that you were running for your life, did you realize that you were in hell? Or did you say, well, what kind of place is this? Oh,
1: I said, what kind of place is this? You betcha. Um, But it seemed it it was somewhat familiar because what I figured out later is I had made this hell out of things that had happened in my life already that were hellish and -hmm. just made them bigger. So they were familiar. There was two instances where I saw living people that were relatives. Turns out later I had to give them both messages. Um and one took it graciously and, and did better in her life. The other one I haven't spoken to in 20 years. She she dropped me like a hot potato. So no, it was just like you opening the door tomorrow, and all of a sudden everything's changed. And you have no idea. You just opened a door, and there it is. You uh, you adapt. There's there's no way to just sit down and say, Well, this isn't real, or Uh, I'm going to wake myself up or any of that. It was just just like your life changed.
0: Yeah. So what was the the contrast of being in what you perceived as being hell? Uh, Heaven, sorry.
1: Uh, Hell at first and then heaven.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. um, Hell. um, The first time I knew it was going to be completely strange was when a demon showed up and wanted me to do a task for him, cutting down this huge... Blackberry field with just a pair of uh, scissors they give children. um I had never seen a demon before. It looked like a kind of a yeti, and uh, but he he had to spoke perfect English, which I thought was strange. um But you adapt, you know. I mean, like if a, a a spaceman shows up in your backyard, you'll roll with it, right? You just don't say, well, this isn't happening, and and and, and go take a nap. You 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 have to adapt. Right. <laughs> That's what I did.
0: And so in heaven was it more? Was it more calming? What, did you feel more at peace there, or what did you...
1: uh, it's it's it makes you speechless. It was like I I I I liken it to being you, you go into a store and you're going to buy a, a balloon for somebody and you pick out this little rubber balloon, little thing is all we and they put it on that machine that fills it full of helium and that balloon goes whoosh like this and all of a sudden it's filled with air that's what happened I was wrestling with this you know uh, talking to this terrible demon person and all of a sudden whoosh I am filled with this joy and bliss and love and I'm just uh, it was like being in this wonderful warm light and but you're kind of tumbling I felt like I was tumbling over and this love was just going through me and around me and uh it was just wonderful i mean it's it was fabulous so it was totally different that was something i've never felt in my whole life it was like everything that was wonderful that ever happened to me times a million and uh, i i was just so i i forgot everything else there was nothing else but this love and then as it started to kind of coalesce a little bit um I was still full of this joy. And and I saw my friend who had died the month before that I'd been taking care of. And and he looked wonderful. I mean, when you die of leukemia, you don't look very well. And he looked great and he was smiling and he was happy to see me. And and what came to my mind was, oh, Crimeny, he, he doesn't know he's dead. <laughs> you know, I didn't think I was dead. And he really starts laughing. And and then I thought wait a minute you know if he's dead then I I must be dead and this is heaven and the news didn't get any better than that so I said you know come on let's go see stuff I'm so glad to see you come on you know and he came over and he said now Mary Kay you've got too much left to do and it took me about two seconds to figure out they were throwing me out I mean uh, I was I was amazed I was furious I said, "No." No, uh-uh. And whoosh, back I went and woke up out of the coma. I was very angry, I'll tell you, and disappointed. I did not want to be here. I I don't, no. It was someplace that I, I wanted, I want to get back to. I, I realized that was home. Um, It was just home. It was so comfortable to be there. And uh, I look forward to going back. I look forward to getting done what I'm supposed to do. And going home.
0: Yeah, it, it's intriguing how your experiences in the afterlife seem to mirror some of the traumas uh, you know from your earthly life. How did those parallels shape your understanding of your journey and its purpose?
1: Well, you know, being back and and meeting all those people from IONS and 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 then for another ten years, uh, listening to their stories and what you know it was. It's like everybody goes up there that comes back. Heaven is. I mean, is God and God is love, but it's, it's, it's so immense that we can just come back with a little piece of the puzzle. So I came back with my piece, but I got to talk to a lot of other people that came back with different pieces. And, um, most of them that stayed for any length of time, uh, tell about this life review that we all get. They tell us that, uh, You know, our souls are part of God that we start off in heaven. We decide we're going to go to earth. We're going to learn things. We're going to earth is school. And we come down here and we have our our plan for our lives and uh, it plays out. We can use our our free will to change things. We feel like we're going in a wrong direction on something. We've got our free will. It's not God being a puppeter puppeteer. It, it, we plan our lives. So a lot of things changed for me around that. Um, I think one of the main thing was I no longer feel like a victim when something happens to me. I say, oh, well, I plan that. Uh, there was for a reason. There's something I'm going to learn out of it. And I, and I can relax around things a lot more. Uh, I'm a lot lighter. I know everything's going to work out fine. It's all going to be good. Um, whatever's happening on this planet, it's a very dense, dark planet and it, it's never going to be perfect this is where souls come to kind of play stuff out um and and those things i didn't experience myself but I, I believe all these other people because there's so many of them there's millions on the planet right now that have had near-death experiences and it doesn't matter if they're in you know new jersey or if they're in london or if they're in australia it's amazing how similar their stories are so it's um it changes you. It just changes you.
0: Let's talk a little bit because you, you know, you had so many experiences. I, I just want to hone in a little bit on an, an encounter you had with your deceased fiance in heaven. Mm-hmm. It was heartwarming. You know the parts that I've read so far in the book. That um, could you tell a little bit more about the that conversation and, and the impact it's had on your perspective?
1: Well, the only thing he said out loud was, "Now, Mary Kay, you've got too much left to do," and that that's huge. It, it left me with the knowledge that we all have things to do down here. It's not just willy nilly. It's, it's not, it's all a, got purpose. And that I, um, when I got back, David, I mean, I had been in a coma for three weeks. I lost uh, so much weight with it. You know, they just feed you with a nasal tube and, and I, I weighed 86 pounds. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't couldn't move. The next day the doctor came in to do a muscle test. I could blink and move one finger. Uh, I overheard him say to my mom, you know, uh, we don't know how much brain damage she's got. She'll probably never work again. I was 53. I had my own company, you know, she'll, she'll, she'll need help. And, and I thought I got too much left to do and I can't move. I was furious. I was overwhelmed with, with the idea that I couldn't go home till I got all this stuff done but god is good and i had a. have got a good plan and and i got my health back i worked very hard to get my health back and then i, I went through all that dark night of the soul for 10 years and then i found my family up and at the ions meetings it's it was it was my path that i i chose it kept me going those just those few words you've got mm-hmm. too much left to do it it well,
0: gave see, some purpose. It, to it my seems life. like uh, you clearly have some things still left to do because you know your friend that you were taking care of told you you know as much as you were enjoying being in heaven, <laughs> and then also then your your uh, your, your deceased your fiance saying the same thing too. So clearly oh, they're the same
1: purpose. guy. They're the
0: same guy. Oh, it's the same guy. Oh, well, okay. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So then it's a so yeah. clearly. It stuck out that you have to. You've, you're you're back here for a reason. Now, what do you say to people? Because you you know you found sort of a, a community. You know, in uh, the I what is it the International Association of Near Death Studies. So you found a yeah. community, found people who've you know been through what you've been through. What do you say say to the skeptics saying well no, it's 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 a lot of hogwash or you know, <laughs> you know maybe. In, in what you're saying and this group of other people are saying, what you're saying actually didn't happen, that where you, well, say you went didn't happen. What do you say to people everybody's got that?
1: their own opinion. And um, uh, the doctor told me I could remember nothing that happened. And I still remember it 24 years later. Uh, that's because it happened in my soul and not in my brain or in my body. Um, if it was a dream, I can't remember a dream after I wake up much less 24 years later it wasn't a dream and um there's just been too many people that have been doctors whatever that have already um talked about consciousness and um a lot of people in our group were physicians and doctors and all that. And they came back thinking, wait a minute, how did this happen to me? I don't believe in that kind of stuff. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them started off with, as atheists they're not atheists anymore, you know? So I came back to, to just tell my story and to tell people that God is all loving, all forgiving and condemns no one. All right. If you want to go to hell you do what I did. I was raised a Catholic. I was taught from an early age that I would not go to heaven straight away. I would go to purgatory, which was like hell, but you get out. So I believe I manifested that experience. It is not the norm. There are people that have had the same thing happen in their lives and they tend to have segments too of things that happen to them. So I believe that that it was a manifestation and I believe that God doesn't condemn anybody. I am here to warn people (laughs) that if they're in a culture or a religion or a family that is telling you that if you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. If you don't believe that, you're going to go to hell. That's not true. And they need to disentangle that bad message out of their their souls and and learn to believe in God's goodness. We do get a life review and you do get to have the actual sensations and feelings of how you interacted with people on earth. If you're kind and generous and nobody is this way all the time. I mean, we're human. But you get to feel how that loving uh that f- loving feeling back if you've been mean and snarky to somebody. You're going to be able to feel their pain. and this is not a judgment. this is just karma. What goes out comes back in. Um, it's just um, a way to kind of see how you did on on your lifetime. Um, it's so totally different than what we were taught.
0: Now your book covers a range of emotions from uh, chilly and intense to humorous and uplift and being uplifting. Um, how were you able to balance these different tones while narrating your story?
1: Well, David, that's how I am in real life. Uh, me and my family, uh, whenever we've had bad things happen, disasters, we we usually coped with it with humor uh, to lighten it up. Yeah, some things aren't funny, but some things, I don't know, it was just our, our way of coping with things. So I... I tried to share how I felt about my life, you know, before, during and after this, this experience, and it's just, that's the way I live.
0: The the concept of talking about death, was that common in your family to have conversations that it would happen? Or were were you, you know, um, you prefer, they would probably avoid or procrastinate talking about it?
1: No, we were all very avid uh, Christians, Catholics. Uh, my folks uh, helped out at church and and I always went to uh, religious schools. So death was discussed every day. All your prayers said uh, something about death and and going to heaven or going to hell.
0: Uh, yeah. Even
1: to this day, I'm not afraid to talk about death. I feel a lot better about it now, though.
0: Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, based on your travels, <laughs> so, misfit in hell to heaven expat. It's it's a message to readers to finding their own way along a sort of a bumpy road to eternity. Can you elaborate a little bit on the message and how you hope it resonates with the reader?
1: I'm I I know that a lot of people out there are having problems with religion right now. Um, I go to church with my mom, she's 96, when I visit her once a month. And uh, I've noticed that the church is half full. Uh, uh, people, I think, cut, cut um, out of the habit of going during COVID when they couldn't. And there's a lot of people that aren't coming back. They're having a hard time finding people going into the ministry. I know that the Catholic churches, they're having a heck of a time. So things are are kind of it's it's a difficult In a good way, time, I think people are taking a closer look at what they believe in and and whether they believe in it themselves or they were taught to believe in it and they haven't even bothered to go around the periphery and and look at it closer. I know just even my prayers uh, when I'm I'm at Mass and uh, I have a hard time even saying them anymore. Just simple things like we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. people don't stay on the ground until the end of, you know, time. They're already in heaven. There's, and there's no bodies, you know, I'm sorry, that's a spoiler alert there, but there are no bodies in heaven. So that kind of thing doesn't make sense to me anymore. Uh, You know, uh, sitting at the right hand of God, Uh, you know, there's no thrones, there's, there's none of that stuff. So this is things that i believe people have made up along uh the not several thousand years and uh now people are are better able to be spiritual uh meditation um listening to people who've had near death experiences i mean it's it's changing i think the world's awakening and getting less structured uh and seeing seeking god's love and and care for us rather than being afraid of god and uh it, it's changing
0: you, I you think that's better. because of the because of the pandemic people well, i think
1: people started thinking about death real seriously at the pandemic almost everybody lost somebody in their family i know we lost my dad passed over but for me Knowing now what I do, I mean, my dad and I are still talking. He's He's been, you know, in heaven for three years, but we've still got the same relationship. He, he you know, I don't know how else to put it. He finds things for me. Uh, if my mom and I talk on the phone longer than a half an hour. He hangs up the phone. Uh, she's got dementia. And it's a little difficult to talk to her for any longer than that time because it's the same conversation over and over. He sent me an email. All right. Uh, from his e- email address with a message on it. Um, I got it, uh, it's right on my wall here. They're not gone. The, the veil is so thin that your loved ones are around you. Anytime you think of them or ask them something, they're waiting for you to talk to them. Um, I've had psychics say, I've got a crowd of people around me because I, I believe they're there and I welcome them in. I, I start the day with them, I end the day with them. So that's been just such a bonus. Uh, and another thing that I'd like to tell people and in your your line of work, you say you try to um, help people with grief. Well, it's so grief, sure, I still miss my dad, but I know he's there. and um, I'll see him, you know, when I'm on the other side, um, you see all your your loved ones. Uh, you see your pets, the pets are all there it's not a bad thing to die it's not and we're all going to we're all going to die this this is uh this is just um school this is all it's-
0: so so since your experience what's changed in your living day to day
1: day to day um i just kind of roll with things more uh, i don't try and structure things i mean sure i got a calendar and this is at one thirty, and this is at 2 and all that but the things go awry or wrong i figure that's the way it was supposed to be you know that's there's a reason for that and i don't get upset about it my stress level is a lot less than it used to be if you know you get in the car and you're going to go someplace and the car doesn't start okay maybe i was going to be in a car accident so i just let i trust my my plan i trust god i trust my plan that uh whatever's happening is what's supposed to be happening you and i had trouble getting together on this call but it's it's all okay
0: but it was only for a minute or it was a couple of minutes but we figured it out we didn't we didn't panic
1: yeah nobody panicked it was uh
0: nah so based on what you've been through and you've already said it a little bit you're not afraid to die to die again
1: I was for about ten years because I didn't understand what happened to me, and I was afraid that was that it was going to happen to me again. And being human, I still have this little little fear thing, and I, I prayed quite a bit to God about it, and and asked to to give me just give me some positive things to think of daily, a mantra, uh, and to share with people, and to um, put that fear away. And and it, God said to be loving, kind, merciful for. Giving, encouraging, grateful, non-judgmental, and useful. And when I can focus on being positive every day and do those things, no, I, I'm not afraid to die again. I'm afraid of living too long. To tell you the truth, <laughs> my, my dad was 97, my mom was 96, and
0: uh,
1: I, I, I don't. Well, I guess as long as I still got people to, to help. Um, I'll keep, keep going and trust the process. I won't worry
0: about it. Well, um, when you, when you're saying God and people are listening, because everybody, maybe, you know, maybe they're not calling it God, but, and, and also based on what you said that, you know, the churches are, you know, the pews aren't as, as full as they used to be. Do you find that people are, it's, and I think you mentioned it a little bit before that the, the structure of religion has changed and people are become more spiritual. And what increased the, the um, you know, the belief in being something spiritual was brought on probably by the pandemic.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you that. And there's, there's more people that are coming out about that. And the internet's, you know, uh, uh, made that so much um, easier for you to find support in whatever it is that you, you want to People that that feel the same way you are, this this uh religious deconstruction act is huge. And I've uh, I've checked into some of those uh websites and stuff, and, and and I think people are just trying to get away from what was crammed out of their throats and into their minds and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm an adult and I want to try and figure out my relationship with God, just me and God, and and try and get to the to the real reality, I don't want to be afraid of God, God loves me. And and I, I'm tired of being afraid. I'm tired of feeling guilty and, and bad about myself. I mean, no, I'm not doing it anymore.
0: Well, is it safe to say that long as you find peace in whoever or whatever you believe in, and at night, it gives you peace to go to sleep, or when you're taking your final breath, that you know that there's that um you believed in something That'll give you comfort in your final final days. That's all all you could ask for. God is
1: love. And and so, if, yeah, I'm not trying to talk anybody out of their religion. I'm just saying be careful and don't be badgered into uh, your religion.
0: Just find something that brings you peace. That's all you can ask at this point, especially what we've gone through, what we're going through now uh, in the world and what we've gone through. You know, and again, the world shutting down based on a mm-hmm. pandemic. Yeah. Um, finally, questions I'd ask to ask you is what do you hope readers and listeners uh, listening right now take away from your book and uh, your story? And what impact do you hope that it inspires through sharing your extraordinary story? There's a bunch of questions. And why would no. you suggest? <laughs> My last, my other last question, is, <laughs> okay. why would you suggest to others for a more peaceful life? What would you suggest? for more Well,
1: peace? I just, uh, I would tell somebody that what I learned from my prayer was to be loving and kind and all those other lovely things. But if you can't remember all of it, just start the day saying, dear God, please help me to be loving and kind in every situation I can and that'll bring you a lot of peace and that that just jumps from your spirit to other people's spirits and then they they pass that kindness and love along with them
0: beautifully said how can people get your book and or if they want to get in touch with you
1: um the book is sold on amazon or barnes and noble or any place you you sell books i have a kindle version the audio version and um tried to make it available as i could
0: in the audio um, version is it your voice that's reading the no book?
1: i had to find somebody because uh. i can't when i have to tell my story i get so emotional i i cry and i just can't help it so i i couldn't get through the first chapter <laughs> so i had to find something it would have been a weepy mess so i had to find a lovely lady that i thought sounded like me and uh she did a really good job yeah she's a young lady
0: and going because I haven't finished your book yet, but going through your book, is that what people will, will, or is it because of you? Uh, it's your story, you have become a weeping, weeping mess. Will people <laughs> start crying when they read your book?
1: Yeah, some people said, yeah, they, they did because um, they, I, we connected. Um, I've been told that it's an easy book to connect to. It's, it's, mm-hmm you know, everybody's got families like this and everybody's had experiences like this. But um, I think it's my emotion and my openness that has allowed other people to f- feel that in themselves. And there's a lot of happy crying too. You know, it's not just... And the, and the bit about the health scene, it's like 10 chapters out of, I don't know, 200, 300 chapters. It's a lot of chapters, maybe not that many, but uh, it's not the predominance of the book. It's mostly... There's a lot of humor there.
0: It, there is a lot of humor, but you take people through a journey. And it, and if anything, it makes people think because maybe they thought, well, you know what? Is there something wrong with me? I'm searching. There's something missing in my life in terms of, uh, you, you know, a purpose and, you know, reading your story and seeing that maybe there there's some other things to look forward to and how to look for a more meaningful life that's got a purpose um they're going to get that through reading your book okay. kathy mcdaniel author of misfit in hell to heaven expat thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation today i really appreciate it maybe we'll have another conversation uh, in the future because you've got um, a lot of stories and you've got a lot of things i still think that you want to share so okay. once again thank you so much for being here
1: thank you david i appreciate it
0: thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or by leaving a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. To catch up with all the latest from me, go to davidede.com. There you can follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you next time.